Times. Let me see where I should begin <laughs> because Mahabharata is so vast. <laughs> Pandavas were sent to exile. In a deceitful game of dice, Durjadhan, yes, the other day we discussed about Durjadhan's envy seeing the opulence of uh, Indraprastha, the Pandava's capital. And plus he was very much and very much humiliated. Like he was angry for some reason. And when he came to the palace, assembly hall, where they were, he mistook the solid land to be water and water to be solid land. So when he was uh, walking through the solid land, hard land, he lifted his uh, dhoti. <laughs> and when he went to the water, thinking the mistaking that to be solid land, he just got into drown, got, got into the pool of water. And Bhima and the women, everyone was laughing. And Yudhishthira Maharaj tried to stop them from laughing. Don't embarrass him. But Krishna allowed them. <laughs> <laughs> and Duryodhan was extremely embarrassed. So, and he decided for all these things, all these happenings, he decided to commit suicide. And then the Danavas came from the lower region and told him that, look, you're our, you're our main support. <coughs> now, if you quit the scene, then what will happen to our plan? So, so they actually persuaded Durjadhan not to commit suicide. And then, as you know, like uh, the scene thickened, and then eventually a game of dice was arranged. Durjadhan was so upset. So Shakuni actually made that plan, Duryodhan's uncle, Gandhari's brother. 
In one hand, Gandhari is so noble. She was the daughter of daughter of Gandhar, which is today <coughs> Afghanistan. Kandahar. Today's Kandahar used to be Kandhar before. So that showed the land of India stretched so far. And, but Shakuni was uh, the the evil-minded person, and he was giving all kinds of wrong advice to Durjana, and so it was this. It was arranged that a game of dice would be and invited. I mean, Yudhishthira Maharaj would be invited to a game of dice, and. Although Yudhishthira Maharaj is not so good at playing dice, but he's very fond of playing dice. So, and also a Kshatriya, when he is invited to a game of dice and a battle, he cannot refuse. And so in the game of dice there was a stakes, and the stakes continued. And Yudhishthira Maharaj started to lose. And as he was losing, his, his uh, intensity to play the game became even more. And so, and he started to lose. First, the stake was wealth, gold, or such things. And then he started to lose and lose. And finally, he lost his whole kingdom. Still he wouldn't give up. When he was challenged, come, stake something. So he, one after another, he lost his own brothers. No cool. Sahadev first, Nakul, Arjun, Bhim, then he staked himself. Then Duryodhana actually enticed him. You still have something. What about Draupadi? Staked Draupadi. So in this way he lost everything. And when he lost Draupadi, it was Draupadi was brought to the assembly by Dushrashri. And Duryodhana indicated to strip her naked. So you know that, uh, that incident. When Dushashan was pulling a Draupadi sari, <coughs> Krishna kept on supplying, Krishna kept on dressing her continuously. And Dushashan became completely exhausted. And they also could see Krishna's, Krishna's inconceivable potency. And at that time it was, another game was arranged. And that game was that 12 years exile and one year incognito. 
And within that one year period of incognito, if any one of them could be recognized, either of the five brothers or Draupadi, then they would repeat that. So this way Durjanan was convinced that Pandavas were so famous that they won't be able to hide. So uh, one of them will be recognized. Uh, Bhima's power, Draupadi's beauty, Arjun's valor. And so they were convinced that this within one year time they'll be recognized again. And then the term will repeat, another twelve years of exile and one year incognito. So then for twelve years they had to go to the forest and one year incognito they stayed in the palace of King, King Virat. And they were hiding in some amazing way. Yudhishthira Maharaj became uh, the companion of King Virat. And his expertise was playing dice. So, <coughs> Yudhishthira Maharaj was uh, famous for his, uh, for his his frailty in playing dice, but now he's an expert dice player. Bhima became the cook. Arjun, during uh, their uh, uh, incognito period, I mean exile, Arjun went to the heavenly planet, and there he was cursed by Urvashi that he will lose his manhood. He'll become a eunuch. <clears throat> so Arjun selected this time to remain as a eunuch. Uh, and so he became a eunuch. And Draupadi became the hairdresser of the queen. Shoidendri. <laughs> and then what happened in the meantime Bhima killed Kichak, King Virat's general. He was very powerful. And he made some unpleasant approach to Draupadi. And, and he, Draupadi pushed him. So you can see like he was a general so powerful and famous for his prowess and so strong. But Draupadi pushed him so hard that he fell on the ground. <coughs> so you can see how powerful these Kshatriya ladies also used to be. And then Draupadi ran into the king's court. And there Kichak came and in public kicked Draupadi. And so somehow they had controlled themselves, especially Yudhishthira Maharaj was there at that time. 
in the in the court. So Draupadi being insulted in this way told Bhima. So Bhima said, okay, you do one thing. You propose to him to meet you in uh, auditorium, a newly built auditorium. <coughs> and when he would come there, I will take care of him. <laughs> so Draupadi, already Kichak was attracted to Draupadi and when he got the proposal, please come. He got really excited, came there at night and he saw that someone was sitting, someone was sleeping, lying on a bed. So when he approached, that person turned out to be Bhima. And Bhima beat him up so bad because all these 12 years of pent-up anger <laughs> was laid out on Kichak. So much so that Kichak's body turned into just a lump of flesh. There was no sign of that person there. I mean, he was completely beaten to the pulp. And so anyway, this is how Kichak was killed. The news spread and Birat's enemy was uh, Trigartha, the king of Trigartha. So they thought that now that Kichak is dead, Drupad will, I mean, Birat will become considerably weak. So this is the time to attack him. So Trigartas attacked Birat's kingdom. And so at that time, Birat was in complete anxiety how to fight. My general is gone. And then Yudhishthir uh, assured him, don't worry, I'll fight with you. Fight for you. Then he said that, you know, your cook also had some expertise in fighting, so he can also come. Uh, your Goshala keeper <laughs> also is a, <clears throat> has some experience and also is your uh, stable man. <laughs> that was Nakul and Shahadev. So they four of them supported. And so Durjodhana at that time took advantage that now that they are fighting in that end, that uh, corner, let us attack Virat and steal his cows because Virat had an uh, amazing collection of cows. So all the soldiers, all the male members are away. So Durjadhan and Kaurav was actually attacked. And so only person there was Birat's uh, son. And <clears throat> he's, he was just a young boy. So he started to brag. If I only had a good chariot driver 
and I would have taught a lesson to the Pandavas. And so at that time, uh, our, our Draupadi Sridhari, who was the queen's uh, attendant, she said, you know, that Brihannala, the dance teacher <laughs> of your daughter, once rode the chariot of fortune. <laughs> so he has, uh, although he is a eunuch, but he has some uh, experience in riding a chariot. So then they asked, and he said, yes, I can ride it and drive a chariot. So he was driving the chariot. <coughs> Drupad's Virat's son was there as if he was ready to fight. But when he came close to the enemy side, it looked like an ocean of soldiers. The opposite side was such a huge army. So he jumped out of the chariot and started to run. So Arjun ran after him and caught him. Said, look, you drive the chariot, I will fight. And then Arjun, when he actually kept his weapon in a, tied up in a in a tree, large tree. So he uh, collected those weapons and he came facing the entire core of our And he shoot an arrow that fell at Bhishma's feet and another arrow at Drona's feet. That was his way of offering obeisances to them. <laughs> and then he shoot an arrow that put all of them into sleep. <laughs> and Virat's uh, uh, anyway, so this is how they defeated. And not only that, they took away their ornaments, took away their fancy clothes <laughs> to dress the toys. <laughs> uh, so, then when they came back to senses, they realized that this must be Arjuna. And Durjadhan was delighted. Oh, so I caught them. So now they'll have to repeat the term. So Bhishma, after calculating, he said, bad luck, Durjata. Because that one year just ended. But Durjata didn't want to accept that. So, so he was adamant that no, we are not going to give the kingdom back to 
and he just met the Adam and proposal that they have to fight and win their kingdom and because he was so convinced that his power is he is so much stronger and Pandavas for 13 years they have been uh, away so they don't have any army they don't have any power so it will be very easy to defeat them so that's why he was adamant in fighting So he and everyone advised him to give their kingdom back. They have turned, they have fulfilled that condition for 13 years. They had been away. So now that they have come back, give their kingdom back. But Duryodhan was adamant. No. Without a battle, I'm not going to give them the kingdom back. So many Bhishma, Dronacharya, Vidura, they all advised, but he wouldn't listen. Gandhari, Vasudev, Maitreya Rishi, they all came and advised. But then finally, Krishna came with a proposal that you don't have to give them the kingdom back. Just give them five villages and avoid this fratricidal war. But Durjadhan's reply was, without a battle, I'm not going to give a piece of land the size of the tip of a needle. And not only that, when Krishna came with the proposal, he came alone to the to the core of a court, core of an assembly. Only Sattaki was there driving the chariot. So Duryodhan thought that Pandava's main strength is Krishna. So if we can arrest him, then Pandavas will become weak. So let's take advantage of this opportunity and arrest him. So they tried to they, his soldiers surrounded Krishna and uh, wanted to arrest him. But at that time Krishna showed his universal form. So this is another occasion when Krishna actually showed his universal form. And Duryodhana and his people becoming afraid, they just ran away from there. <laughs> So in this way, the battle became inevitable. And also, as you know, like how Krishna actually sided with the Pandavas. They were actually collecting their allies. Duryodhan went to Krishna, thinking that he would get Krishna. He already got another person that was uh, that was uh, Shalva. Uh, Shalva was actually uh, Madri's brother, their uncle, Pandava's uncle, and he was a great charioteer, chariot driver. So Karna actually told that 
You see, if Krishna is his chariot driver, Arjuna's chariot driver, in order to match that, I also need an expert uh, charioteer. And who is who can match Krishna as a charioteer? Shalva. So now Shalva is their uncle. How to? So Durjodhana was so crafty. When Shalva was coming to join the coming to join the Pandavas in the battle, Durjodhana kept his men on the way, and they received him and treated him very nicely. And uh, he thought, Shalva thought, that this was Pandava's men. And he kind of gave his word that, yes, I'll fight with you and all that for you. And then it turned out that he already promised to, this promise went to Durjadhan. So he, these Kshatriyas were so noble that they won't, they won't alter their statements. So this is how Duryodhana tricked him in his side. So this is how Duryodhana was trying to get, although he was so powerful, but he was still trying to gather his strength. And <clears throat> So he went to Krishna to propose to him. And he also had a similar kind of thing. If Krishna somehow, he goes to Krishna first, then Krishna will ask him and he will commit to join them. And then this way he will be, Pandava will be bereft of Krishna's support. So Duryodhana went to meet Krishna. And after a while, Arjuna also came. And at that time, Krishna was sleeping. So Duryodhana came and sat at his head on a chair near his head. And when Arjuna came, he sat on the bed at Krishna's feet. <clears throat> and So when Krishna woke up, he saw Arjun. He said, Arjun, when did you come? <coughs> so Duryodhana just jumped up. I came before, I came before. <laughs> so I have the right to ask first. Krishna said, look, I saw him first. So anyway, like there's a condition. Since both of you came, like, I have to f satisfy both of you, or at least make some proposal to both of you. So the one proposal, so one proposal is that I can join. Whoever side I'll join, I'll simply, uh, I won't touch any weapon, but I'll simply drive this chariot. I'll become a chariot driver, I won't fight. <coughs> And on the other side will be my entire army. My army. Don't fight, but I will be with them. And the other side will 
have my head. So since Arjun is younger, he'll have the first choice. <clears throat> so Arjun, who do you want? What do you want? Arjun said, Krishna, I want you. <laughs> Whether you take a weapon or not, And Dujadhan was delightful, what a fool. <laughs> just, Krishna is not going to fight, so what's the use of it? So this is the difference between the spiritual vision and material vision. Material vision sees things from a material perspective, numbers, strength and all that. But the spiritual vision is Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So Krishna, uh, to have Krishna on the side means uh, winning the battle. And this way both of them were satisfied. Then Duryodhan went to Balaram and appealed to him to side with him. But Balaram said, no, I'm not going to side with anyone. And that's why Balaram actually went on a pilgrimage during the battle of Kurukshetra. So in a way that is the background of the battle of Kurukshetra. Then finally both the sides assembled. Kaurava side was 11 Akshohini, Pandava side 7 Akshohini. So much weaker. And Kaurava side had such valiant and invincible warriors. Bhishma, he is practically immortal. Unless he himself wanted to die, nobody would be able to kill him. And not only that, he is one of the best warriors of that time. Dronacharya, another person, as long as he has a weapon in his hand, nobody can kill him. Then Ashwatthama, another uh, immortal person. Then Karna, the greatest archer of the time. In a way it is said that Karna was even better than Arjuna in archery. So uh, their number was greater. The warriors on their side was extremely valiant. Where the Pandava side, five brothers came back from 13 years of exile. Only some friends of theirs and relatives joined with them, like Drupad, Virat. And now the battle is about to start. So, and the conscience was already blown. That means the battle already started. Blowing the conch shell actually meant the announcement of the commencing of the battle. <coughs> so at that time, Arjun wanted to see who is on his enemy, who is on the enemy side. And at that time, Arjun decided not to fight. How can I fight with my elders, those who brought me up with? 
with so much affection. Bhishma, practically on his lap, I grew up. Dronacharya, who treated me like his own son, he was so, I was so dear to him. And in this way, he started to uh, lament. And then he gave various other reasons. That's the first chapter of Bhagavad Gita. Vishad joke. Vishad means lamentation. Arjun's lamentation. How can I fight? Kothang Bhishma Maham Sankhe. Dronam Chamadusudhana. Ishubhi Pratyatsami. Pujarha Varishusana. Pujarha. They're worshipable. How can I shoot arrows? Ishubhi means arrows. Pratyatsami. In a challenging way. Meaning kill to kill them. To Bhishma and Drona. And then he gave all kinds of excuses or reasons, not excuses, valid reasons that um, when there won't be anyone to protect the society, the women will go astray and they will be Varna Shankara. And as a result of Varna Shankara, the whole society will be doomed. So Arjun said, I would rather go begging than enjoy this kingdom that's going to be stained with the blood of my relatives. So <clears throat> in this way, uh, when Arjun kept on refusing, but still, finally he expressed his bewilderment. that Krishna, I'm completely bewildered. Please tell me what I should do. I'm surrendering myself to you as your disciple. Please instruct. Karbanna dosha apuhata svabhava Prichami tvang dharma sammura cheta Yajshriya shan nishchitam bhuhitanme Shishyasteyaham I am your disciple. I am submitting myself as your disciple. And at that time Krishna started to advise. So, that advice of Bhagavad Gita starting from the second chapter. In the second chapter, Krishna started to. At the beginning, Krishna mildly chastised Arjuna. Mildly. That Arjuna, you're speaking like a wise man, but you're a fool. He didn't say you're a fool. He says the wise man doesn't speak like that. Indirectly, <laughs> that Ashokchan Anushochastam. Pandita, wise ones. Those who are wise, they don't lament about these, uh, these 
temporary things. This body is perishable. Everybody's body will die today or tomorrow, sooner or later, everyone is going to die. So why lament over the body? Body is lost. So in this way, Krishna, the first thing Krishna establishes is the difference between the body and the soul. And then Krishna, after establishing the what is the behavior of a wise man, a person situated in knowledge. Then he explains in the third chapter about the arrangement. Living entities, human beings are there and the demigods are there. The demigods are controlling the affairs of this material nature. Therefore, human beings should have proper relationship with the demigods, like the supplier and the recipient. So here he is establishing the consideration of paying for what we are receiving. Who is supplying? The demigods are supplying. So whatever you are getting, we are getting from the demigods. Therefore, the demigods should be given in Jagya. Trying to remember that verse. Sahajagya prajasrishta purabhaja prajapati prashabhidhasya manena jyogabhasti astu kamadhuk. Kamadhuk, our desired objects, are supplied by them. And therefore, we should offer them in Jagya, sacrifice, because that's the price. In our day-to-day life also we see, we receive various facilities, like we're getting the electric supply, does it come free? For that we have to pay the price. We're getting water supply, we have to pay the price. So similarly, in this nature we are getting all kinds of facilities. We are getting rain in the form of water, or we are getting water in the form of rain. We are getting sunlight, we are getting all these facilities. And they are coming from the demigods, therefore they should be offered in Jyakya. And then this is this third chapter is actually Karma Yoga. Uh, like action, the proper action as a result of our receiving things and expressing our gratitude. Then in the beginning of the fourth chapter, Krishna is telling Arjuna. Arjuna, this knowledge I gave first to 
Vivashwan. Then Vivashwan gave it to his son Manu. Then Manu gave it to his son Ikshaku. And in this way, in a line of disciplic succession of the kings, saintly kings, Rajarshi, Imam Rajarshayogi, <coughs> this knowledge was flowing since time immemorial. But Sakaleneha Mahata Yoga Nashtapanantapa, but in course of time, this yoga has been, has been spoiled. Yoga Nashtapanantapa. Therefore, Sayevayam Mayati Arta Yoga Pratipuratana. That yoga which was lost, which was spoiled, I am going to re-establish that yoga through you. Because because you are my devotee bhakta and you are my friend. Therefore I will reveal this knowledge unto you. So then Krishna Arjun came up with a natural uh, inquiry, natural question. Are Arjun? Are Krishna? <laughs> their friends of the same age, their cousins, uh, and all of a sudden your cousin tells you, I you know I gave this knowledge to Vivashwan. <laughs> so what will be a natural reaction? Are you are you talking about? And that same thing Arjun uh, also same way Arjuna also responded. Aparam bhavato janma param janma vivasata. You were born just the other day, but Vivashwan was born so many millions and zillions of years ago. Kathametat bijaniyam tamado praptavaniti. How can I understand that you spoke that knowledge to Vivashwan? See how systematically the knowledge, this principle is being established. Then Arjun's, then Krishna's response is, Bohuni me bhatitani janmani tavacharjuna. Arjun, many, many times you have taken birth. So did I. But tani aham veda sarvani. About all those births, I remember everything. Not tan veda But you don't remember anything. So that's the difference. So this is how Krishna is establishing the difference between Arjuna and him, between a living entity and he as the Supreme Personality of God. So in this way, Krishna's instruction begins. And then he is saying, the many times you have taken birth, so did I. So, we can see just at the beginning of Bhagavad Gita uh, the principle of reincarnation is being established. Uh, like that's why anybody can see with common sense that we have been here before. It's not that this life is the only life. And once we solve this problem, then a lot of things becomes cleared out. 
Krishna already in second chapter established the nature of the soul and the nature of the body. The body is like a dress. Jirnani vasang shi jatha bihaya navani grinnati Just as by give, getting rid of our old clothes, old dress, we put on a new one. Similarly, when this body becomes old, jirnani tatha jirnani sharirani bihaya. When this body becomes old, giving up this old body, we take up a new one. Navani Grinnati Naroparani. A simple consideration. The body and Arjuna is the Krishna established. See, the body changes from childhood to old to boyhood to youth to old age. The body is changing. So in spite of the change of the body, the person remains the same. And the five-year-old body and 25-year-old body are the same body. Looks completely different, the structure is completely different. Even every single cell of the body is different. But the person remains the same. <clears throat> In that respect, I remember somebody once challenging and one of my devotees came up with a brilliant answer. He was saying that, no, uh, I am a different person. Five-year-old me and today's me are different. Like, his point is that uh, as the body changed, I also changed. <clears throat> the devotee came up with a brilliant answer. He said, why don't you ask your wife whether she got married to a different person? <laughs> so, with the change of the body, uh, you also changed. So then the person that she got married to was another person. <laughs> Doesn't the, does the mother say, Huh? Oh, my five-year-old boy, five-year-old boy huh? is different from today's boy who is 25 years old. Or is he the same person? Huh? Same person, same son of the mother, same son of the father, same huh? husband of the wife. Huh? And <clears throat> so this is how Krishna established the uh, the eternity of the soul. The body changes, but soul doesn't change. And this is the most important thing for everyone to understand. To understand the difference between the body and the soul. The body is changing, body is born, body is going to die. Uh, but the soul remains. What is death? Uh, it's just Actually, in India, uh, I think everybody has that understanding very clear. I don't know how they think in the West. Uh, but in India, when somebody dies, uh, in so many different ways, we say that he is gone. Chale gaye. Shadi chhod ke chale gaye. To kon chale gaye? 
शरीर छोड़ के लिविंग द बॉडी ही इज गॉन ही इज गॉन दैट हैज बीन एस्टेब्लिश बाई जॉमराज इन अ वेरी ब्यूटिफुल वे वन दर्ज अंग एंड ही डाइड इन अ बैटल so his body dead body was brought to the palace and his queen was crying and crying so jamraj was feeling bad to kind of he came and he assumed the form of a little boy and he came to the queens and asked why are you crying like this He said, "Our husband died. Died? What does it mean? That he left and he'll never come back." He said, "But he's there. Can't you see that he's there? Why? Why did you say he's gone? No, that's he is gone, and he'll never come back." Did you ever see him? Then he talked to the queen. Really? We only knew the body; we didn't know the person. The person that is gone, huh? we never really get to know him. The person who was she was there. They were telling huh, that the one who is to talk with us, the one who is to reciprocate with us, he is gone. So who was that? The body is lying there. No, no, no. He, the one who used to do that, is gone. So who is that? He? Did you know him? So, in, with common sense, we can understand that beyond this body, there is a soul that makes the body alive, that makes the body speak, that makes the body hear, that makes the body reciprocate uh, in various ways. So at the beginning of Bhagavad Gita, Krishna is establishing that the difference between the body and the soul, and then he is now in the fourth chapter. He is establishing the difference between the soul and the supreme personality of Godhead. We can see uh, very clearly that those who claim, uh, like. Uh, time and time again, I'm coming back to this point because it has become quite a common practice in India uh, to present somebody as God or present oneself as God. We can see that those people didn't even read Bhagavad Gita, or even if they read, they didn't understand Bhagavad Gita. The extent of their understanding of Bhagavad Gita is. You work like a donkey and don't worry about the result. Give the results to me. That is their thing. These are the political people. Political people make this slogan. You work. Don't worry about the result. But they don't understand who the result is meant for. The result is meant for Krishna. What is actually saying that you try your best to serve him, accept everything, offer everything as a service, and don't expect anything, because he will reward you in the most most wonderful way. 
This is how we can see that although Bhagavad Gita is there so wonderfully presented by Krishna, but unfortunately most of the Hindus are not taking advantage of that. There is plenty of translation of Bhagavad Gita, plenty of Bhagavad Gita in market, but not a single devotee is generated from that. I remember in 76, 1976, I was a new devotee at that time, but uh, we took a statistics of English Bhagavad Gita in the market and we found more than 250 Bhagavad Gitas. <coughs> there are two, more than 250 Bhagavad Gita translations in English. But not a, no, all this Bhagavad Gita's put together didn't make a single devotee. Whereas Prabhupada's one Bhagavad Gita as it is, uh, is making millions of devotees all over the world. And who knows how many devotees this book will make. As the time is passing, uh, more and more people are becoming devotees. So that is the potency of Srila Prabhupada's Bhagavad Gita. Bhagavad Gita as it is. What is the meaning of as it is? Prabhupada explained the way Arjuna, why Krishna spoke and the way Arjuna understood. That is the meaning of Bhagavad Gita, as it is. <clears throat> anyway, so I'll wind it up now. It's already past nine o'clock. <clears throat> this part of it. So in Bhagavad Gita, what we are actually learning, uh, in essence, the difference between the body and the soul, and the difference between the soul and the Supreme Soul. An analogy for that is the sun and the rays of the sun. The sun, if we consider Krishna to be like the sun, then the innumerable rays that are coming from the sun are the living entities. Sun has its own identity and the rays have their own identity. Qualitatively, the sun and the rays are the same. But the rays are minute and the sun is complete. So that is uh, the understanding, that's the difference between the Jiva and Bhagavan. And Jivas are spiritual, Bhagavan is spiritual. Only difference is, Jiva is a minute, Bhagavan is absolute. Thank you all very much. All glories to Srila Prabhupada. Have a nice breakfast. <clears throat>